Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Amen. Today, as they mentioned, today is Pentecost Sunday, and I know there's a lot of people that may, may not know what that means, right? And hopefully today, you understand what Pentecost Sunday means. Isn't that a beautiful screen? It looks like a TV up there, doesn't it? Amen. It's nice and crispy. It's like you're at home. Anyways, Luke chapter 11, verse 11. Amen. And so I am a, uh, I kind of, I feed off the congregation. What does that mean? That means if I say something that's good, you probably want to say amen. Amen. If I say something that hit home, you probably be like, praise God or lift up your hands, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Um, but that's what you want to do because ultimately it's God speaking to you. Look what Luke chapter 11, verse 11 says this. It says this. It says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? I mean, if your dad gave you a snake, a snake instead of a fish, I mean, come on now, that's. That's not too nice. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen? When it says evil, it's not talking about you being an evil person. That means an unbeliever, right? Even unbelievers know how to give good gifts to their kids, don't they? Okay, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Praise God, he was resurrected. And after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Powerful, isn't it? One more verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and it says this, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Father God, that it will penetrate the heart. God, we know God, that some of us have gone through a rough week, a very rough few days. And I pray, Father God, that we will put that aside, that we will remove all distractions, and God, that we will lean into your word this morning. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today, it's Pentecost Sunday, and so many of us may not understand uh, what Pentecost Sunday is. And in reality, if you have been around enough or talked to any kind of Jewish people, you're going to know that Pentecost has been around for Many, 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 many years. Many years. 
And the reason why it's so significant for us is the whole purpose of this message. Because it is very significant for us that Pentecost happened. I don't know about you, but so many times when I read the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are considered the Gospels in the Bible. And I see how Jesus moved. Sometimes I wish I was there to witness it. How many ever feel like that? You just wish that you could see Jesus go up to somebody and heal the blind eyes. Sometimes when I read the, the story where, where Jesus fed 5,000 people and you're like, how did he do that? How was he able to get somebody's lunch from school? Because it was a little boy, right? A few uh, uh, a fish and a few pieces of bread. And, and he began to, to bless that food and it was only meant to, to feed one person, one little boy. And obviously, when you go to the McDonald's, the kid's meal ain't that much for an adult. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Four nuggets ain't going to do nothing to me. That's a snack. That's an appetizer. You know what I mean? The little, have you ever seen the fries? The fries don't even come in a, in a regular uh, fry box, right? It comes in like a, a toy fry box, and they put like five fries in there for kids. So you kind of have to picture that, right? In today's terms, that Jesus took... Uh, a McDonald's, uh, a kitty food, uh, what is it called again? Happy meal. Happy meal. I was just checking if you guys were paying attention. I have kids. I order that almost every day. <laughs> so Jesus basically takes a happy meal. He blesses it. He has a whole crowd of 5,000. Watch what it says. It says men. That's not including kids. That's not including women. So you put that all together, right? You times that by probably three, right? And you have about 15,000 people there. And here is Jesus blessing, blessing a happy meal. Now, to some, that might be like, what a fool. What do you think he's going to do with a happy meal? How is he going to bless 15,000 people with a happy meal? But then all of a sudden, he blesses it. He breaks the bread or maybe a hamburger or maybe some chicken nuggets. He begins to distribute it. And all of a sudden, as he was giving it to the disciples, somehow, someway, it multiplied in the hands of the disciples to the point where they fed almost 15,000 people men, mother, and children. And watch this, there was leftover. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I wish I was there, right? Do you know that Jesus did it again? He didn't only feed 5,000 people. If you keep on reading the book, uh, the, the, the Gospels, you'll begin to see that he also fed 4,000 people, and he did it again. Somebody say, he did it again. And so here is Jesus moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and everybody is in awe and all the religious people that know the Bible back and front. And if you, don't, if you know something about the Bible, you know that the religious leaders back in the day actually had the Bible memorized. Word for word. That's amazing. The first five books, which is called the Torah, they had it memorized. And here is this Jesus, he, he was a rabbi as well, and he was moving in the miraculous. He was moving in power, and it was just him. And the only people that did it is when he prayed over them, and then they also moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it was only just Jesus and whoever he laid his hands on when he was alive. And then here's Jesus. 
He tells the disciples, listen, I am about to be betrayed. I am about to die. And I am going to leave a gift behind. And the disciples are basically thinking, well, what is that gift? He says, it is the Holy Spirit. The same spirit you've seen me move when I preach. The same power that you feel is going to be upon you one day. How powerful is that? The same miracles that you see me do, one day you are going to do the same exact miracles. The same way you heard me preach and thousands of people were impacted. It's the same Holy Spirit that's going to come inside of you. So the disciples are waiting. Jesus dies, right? Jesus dies on the cross and the disciples begin to remember everything that Jesus did. And so the Bible teaches in the book of Acts that all the disciples, 120 of them, met in an upper room. How many ever heard of the upper room? And you know what they did? They began to pray. They began to pray and they began to ask God because let me tell you something about being in Jerusalem that time. Being in Jerusalem, being a Christian, a Christ follower was a death sentence. Because Christianity wasn't very popular back then. And so when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, stay in Jerusalem. Can you imagine the fear that they're going through? The fear that they're going through. And so now they're in the upper room praying for this promise. And the Bible all of a sudden says that the spirit comes in power. And then they begin to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some background on Pentecost. Like I mentioned before, this is a very old holiday for Jewish people. Number one, Pentecost was celebrated for harvest season. Everybody say harvest season. Harvest. And harvest season is basically thanking God for the abundant season that is happening. Right? If you read the book of Acts, there was a time when, when Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached and 3,000 people got saved. Harvest season. Can somebody say amen to that? The other reason why Pentecost happened was because they were celebrating God and worshiping God and praising God for the Torah. Everybody say Torah. Torah is the first five books of the Bible, right? So they were praising God for the Torah. Can I tell you something? That if you read the Gospels in John chapter 1, John talks about God, Jesus Christ, being the word of God. And can I tell you something? Pentecost, which is today, is a day not only to thank God for the harvest that he's going to bring. What does that mean to you? That means your son one day is going to be sitting in these seats. That means your friend that you've been reaching is going to be sitting in these seats. And what we do is we begin to praise God for it in advance. That is harvest season. But you know what else we praise God for? For the word of God that was crucified for our sins, which is Jesus. And then it says this, Pentecost was to celebrate by giving the first fruits. You know what they did? They began to give the best of their crops from the harvest that they're praising God for, and they gave it back to God. Do you know that Jesus is known as the first fruit of God? Why is he known as that? Because he is the very first, and he is the very best of heaven. And God gave him for us. And so Pentecost, yes, it is about the Holy Spirit, but when we begin to understand what is celebrated during this time, it, everything goes back to Jesus, doesn't it? And everything within inside of our lives should always go back 
to Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So let me give you five signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you guys ready? I feel like you guys are a little sleepy today. I need you guys to wake up a little bit. Amen. All right, look at Luke, Luke chapter 3, verse 16. It says this. It says that uh, John answered them, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come. And the straps of sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Some of you might be asking, well, what is that? What is the Holy Spirit and fire? You know, in every single one of the, uh, of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about the Great Commission. Everybody say Great Commission. In Mark chapter 15, we're going to go into it, and this is where we're going to draw our points from. But Mark goes into more detail. He doesn't say Holy Spirit and fire. He kind of describes what the Holy Spirit and fire actually does inside of a believer once they receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Mark chapter 15, verse 15 says this. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. Remember, one of them betrayed Jesus and hung himself. That's Judas. That's why there's only 11. So later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. What does that mean? That means Jesus, after he died, was walking around for 40 days talking to people, and his own disciples didn't even believe it. So he's like, you've seen all these miracles that I have done. You've seen everything that I can do and you still didn't believe that I can resurrect and walk around 40 days and talk to people after I died? But look at verse 15. He said, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. There's only one way to God and that's through Jesus Verse 17, this is where we're going to be focusing our attention on. And these signs, everybody say signs, will accompany those who believe. Do you believe this morning? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And I'm going to explain that. That doesn't mean go somewhere and start drinking some poison. That would be stupid. <laughs> Amen. But then it says they will place their hands on sick people, and what, what, what will happen? They will get well. Verse 19 says, and the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, and he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. And look, at this is a powerful verse right here. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs they accompanied. What, what began to happen? Everything that Jesus just said there, the disciples began to do. Number one, here's a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what Pentecost is all about. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Number one, you have the power to witness. Everybody say witness. You know that Jesus says in the Gospels that if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. How many ever read that before? Nobody? It's a good awakening thing, isn't it? He says, if you are ashamed of me before men, if you are ashamed of me and tell people that you're my disciple and that you go to church and you worship Jesus, he says, I will be ashamed of you before my father and his angels. 
And you know the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he commands us to do something, but he empowers us to do it. And some of us, we have a hard time talking to, to, to people, don't we? But when we receive the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to witness. Do you know that you are a witness right now? You are sitting on the stand in the, in the courtroom of the world, and God is saying, I need you to be my witness. I need you to be the evidence to the world of my goodness, of my healing power, of my power to deliver people from whatever kind of addiction that they have. I need you to be my witness. But you cannot be a witness if you're ashamed. Can somebody say amen to that? You have to be a witness, and the only way that you are going to be an effective witness is by having the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you. You know, the Bible teaches this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, and let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. Therefore, the people are not drunk as you suppose. It is only 9 o'clock in the morning. Some of you need some backstory. Well, let me tell you. You know what began to happen? When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began to pray in another language. A language that nobody understood. Right? Some were praying in a language that they never learned. That is speaking in tongues. That is praying in tongues, and that is the gift of tongues. And so what began to happen is the Jews began to say, hey, look at all these disciples, these followers of Jesus. They are already drunk, and Peter came up. Remember, Peter just denied Jesus a few weeks ago. He was ashamed of Jesus. He was not bold at all. But here is, Jesus, here is Peter filled with the Holy Spirit now. And now he's not ashamed of Jesus. Now he is proclaiming him before 3,000 people. Somebody say, wow. You know, you, begin you know what begins to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you? You become bold about who you follow. You become not ashamed of following Jesus anymore. Why? Because you recognize that it was Jesus who was there when everybody left. You begin to recognize the power of God within inside of your life when the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Can somebody say amen? amen? You know, the second thing that begins to happen, the signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is the power over the devil and demons. And let me tell you this, this message right here and this point specifically makes hell nervous because the number one thing that the enemy is trying to keep you from is knowing your authority in Jesus Christ. And the reason why he doesn't want you to know your authority is because he wants to keep you bound. He wants you to keep you in chains. He wants to keep you sick. He wants to keep you in fear. But my friend, that is what the Holy Spirit is for. Jesus said, I'm sending you this promise because this promise is going to comfort you. This promise, the Holy Spirit is going to set you free. Can somebody say amen? Some of you don't think that you have the power over the devil. Can I tell you something? The minute you receive Jesus Christ inside of your life and you begin to receive the Spirit of God fill you and come upon you, you have so much authority. It is like having 
a, a house with no keys. That is what it's like with you having no authority or thinking that you don't have it. My friend, the Bible says this, that you have the keys of the kingdom. Keys represent authority. When you receive the Holy Spirit upon you, he begins to give you power. Everybody say power. Power over the devil. Power over your fears. Can somebody say amen to that? In Acts chapter 16, I'm not going to go ahead and read it, but there's a story where uh, Peter and John were going to church, to the temple, and there was this beggar in front of the church. Now, we've all seen a beggar, right? And uh, we've seen people that have been out there for years, and this is the same story, right? Peter and John have seen this person. But the difference between Peter and John this time is that now they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this guy is asking for money, and Peter looks at him, and he tells the, 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 the person that's begging for money, he says, look at me. He says, look at me. Boldness, isn't it? Because Peter wouldn't do that before. So Peter looks at him, he says, look at me. He says, silver or gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And the other story was, I command you to be healed. Wow. You know, you have the same power. You have the same power to tell somebody, listen, if you're looking for money, I don't have much money. If you're looking for housing, I only have housing for myself. But if you're looking for the power of God, that I can give to you. Can somebody say amen? amen. Why? Because the power of God is residing within inside of your life. And the same God that touched your life is able to use you. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Number three, you have the power to pray in a spiritual language called tongues. How many ever heard of tongues? There's two different kinds of tongues. There is a praying language, and then there's the gift. The praying language everybody can get, even you. Every single one of us could have that prayer language. And look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. It says, and this is the Apostle Paul, right? Remember, the Apostle Paul was a religious leader. He didn't know nothing about tongues. And look what he says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He says, when I received the Holy Spirit, I began to pray in this other language. And the Bible teaches that this language is between you and God. Nobody could understand it. Only you and God could understand it. Only God could understand it because sometimes you don't even understand it. But I'm going to tell you this, there's many times where I felt discouraged, where I wasn't feeling the presence of God, but when I began to pray in the spirit, which is praying in tongues, all of a sudden I began to feel a breakthrough. I began to feel hope. I began to feel his presence. Why? Because that is the power of praying in the spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the whole chapter. It kind of gives you the benefits of praying in this prayer language. Now, the gift of praying in tongues is when somebody in the church begins to pray in tongues and then somebody else has the gift to interpret those tongues and then God's message goes forth just like I'm talking right now. I'm not talking about that gift. I'm talking about praying in the spirit. 
Every single time you see somebody get filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in this prayer language. Number one, when you begin to pray in the Spirit, you begin to speak to God and not man. You have direct access. Not even the devil could hear you here. Not even the devil could understand what you're saying when you pray in the Spirit. Number two, you pray mysteries. Everybody say mysteries. You know, there's certain things that we don't know that God knows. And some of you might be, well, that's obvious. You might be saying, that's obvious. But you know, there's a way for us to know it. The Bible says this, when we begin to pray in the Spirit, God begins to speak, begins to show us things that we know otherwise would know it. But by the Spirit of God, we begin to understand the mysteries, things that are unknown to us, but known to God. Can somebody say amen? The second thing, the third thing is when we begin to pray in the Spirit, you begin to edify yourself. In other words, your spiritual life begins to get stronger. In other words, your prayer life gets stronger. The times where you read the Bible, sometimes it feels like you're not getting something through. But I guarantee you, pray in the Spirit and all of a sudden, that word begins to come alive. Can somebody say amen to that? It also gives you revelation. It gives you knowledge. It gives you the ability to understand certain things in the future. You can pray. You can sing in the Spirit. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes we, this is, this is like uh, not talked about a lot. But our church, we believe that God still moves. How many believe that? You know, there's some churches that don't believe God heals anymore. There's some churches that believe that God can't set people free from, from, from addiction. So there's some people that don't believe that the gift of prophecy, which is the ability for a person to speak the mind of God over somebody else, they don't believe that that exists. Can I tell you something? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that that never ends. The Bible teaches that these gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit continue. How do I know that? The Bible says this, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means he does not change. So the same God that moves through people within the Bible is the same God that will move through us. Amen? Let's put on some worship music. Number four, we're going to be talking about divine protection. Remember, in the beginning of the verse, it says that he's going to protect you from drinking poison. Now, that is not to go out there and drink poison and start playing with snakes that are, are supposed to kill you and something. You're not, I mean, obviously, you don't do that, right? You got to use wisdom. What that's talking about is divine protection. I want to share a story with you in Acts chapter 28, verse 3, to kind of like correlate this, because this actually happened to somebody in the Bible where a snake came out, bit him, and it was very venomous, poisonous. Watch this. Acts chapter 28, verse 3, it says this. Paul gathered a pile of bushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw the snake hanging on his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. In other words, they were saying, this dude is going to die. It's over. This is the Apostle Paul. And the reason why they were on the boat was because he was on a mission. 
He was actually a prisoner at this point because he was preaching the gospel that I'm preaching this morning. And so they imprisoned him. And everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. He shared the heavenly vision is what he called it. When God called him and saved him and set him free, and now they're taking him to another place so he could stand in front of one of those elders or governors, what we will call them today. And as you can see that the devil is trying to stop that mission. Because before he got this to this place where the snake bit him, there was a big storm that was going on to the point where they almost died. But they did it. And so the islanders was like, yo, he made it through the storm, but he ain't going to make it through this. This snake is very poisonous. But look what Paul did. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up and suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. That's divine protection. That's what Jesus was talking about when he says, hey, if a snake bites you, and you are in the middle of my will, and it's not time for you to come home yet, I will protect you. I will protect you. That's the power of being filled with his Holy Spirit. That's the power of giving your life to Jesus. Now, some of you might be saying, well, don't you get filled with the Holy Spirit when I give my life to Jesus? Absolutely. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you immediately. And that's why you begin to sense that change happen within your heart. But this is a different kind of experience. This is after you receive Jesus as your Savior that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and he empowers you to do what he's called you to do. And in the process, there's divine protection. You know what's so beautiful about divine protection, the divine protection of God? That Paul wasn't the only person that was saved in that boat. Everybody in that boat was saved because Paul was in it. And can I tell you something? When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and when you have Jesus, God will have so much mercy, not only upon you, but the people around you. Why? Because you're in that house. Because you're in that job. He says, I won't destroy or I won't let this happen because you're there. Divine protection. You know, in Genesis, something similar happens, right? In the story of Abraham with Sodom and Gomorrah. And God was upset that man turned their hearts against him. And Abraham began to talk to God. And he said, God, what if there's five righteous in the land? And God says, if there's five righteous in the land... I won't destroy the land. What if there's three righteous? I'm paraphrasing, by the way. What if there's three people in the land that are righteous and they, they haven't bowed their knee uh, to the idols of that land and God began to speak and he said, if there's three righteous there, I still won't destroy the land. What if there's one? He says, I won't destroy it if there's still one. One person in one city makes a big difference. One person that cries out to God in a city makes a huge difference. Can you imagine your family? 
If you're the one crying out to God, if you're the one living right before God, divine protection. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. Last one is the power to heal. Do you know that God is able to heal not only today, but he is able to heal you and through you. He is able to heal you and through you. Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple, and at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going to the temple courts. Peter said straight at him and said to John, Peter said, look at us. This is the story I mentioned before, but I'm going to say it again. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And then he took him by the right hand. He helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. You know, you have that power. I have that power. You have that power. God is able to heal today. That is what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the ability to move like Jesus moved. It's the ability to pray like Jesus prayed. Jesus says this, greater things. Everybody say greater. Greater things will you do. Not because we're greater than Jesus. The reason why greater things will happen is because the same spirit that was inside of Jesus now lives with inside of you now lives with inside of me no christian is average none every single one of us have the ability to have a spiritual gift every single one of us has a spiritual gift at least one some of you have the gift of faith you believe god can do whatever he wants to do and you believe god can do whatever he can heal he could open doors for you. You have the gift of faith. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. What is that? That is the ability to hear from God and speak it to somebody and declare God's destiny over somebody's life. Some of you have the gift of healing where some of you, and you know, there's some counselors that have the gift of healing. Maybe they can't heal physically, but the reason why they have the gift of healing is because they're able to speak to somebody and that anointing upon their life, that power upon their life, is able to heal that person emotionally and mentally. I don't know about you, but I've, I've spoken to people that if they would have never counseled me, man, I would be in bad shape. That's the gift of healing. This morning, I want you, everybody, to stand up this morning. And some of you might be saying, well, I don't know if I'm ready for that. That's okay. It doesn't change your salvation at all. It doesn't change your salvation at all. You're still saved. But some of you are ready. I need that power upon my life. That power that, that only benefits me. It benefits me to conquer things inside of my life. But it's also going to benefit the people around you. Because all of a sudden... sudden it's like what the Bible says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. All of a sudden, something's going to light up with inside of your life. All of a sudden, you're going to have a passion for God that you did not have. 
All of a sudden, you're going to want to preach, and you've never had a desire to preach. All of a sudden, you're going to want to tell people about Jesus, and you didn't have that desire no more. And when you do it, God is going to move through you. That's the whole thing about Pentecost. When Jesus says, that that I have, I'm going to give it to every single person that calls themselves a follower of Christ. He says, that what I have, I give to you. That Holy Spirit that I walked in, the one that comforted me in the Garden of Eden, is the same Holy Spirit that can comfort you this morning. So if that's you, if you want to, if you want to, to be able to experience this gift like the disciples did, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to go ahead and just lift up your hands, and I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's lift up that worship music. I want you to go ahead and, and speak to God right now. And in a few minutes, I, I want everybody that lift up their hands, I want you to come up here. I, I literally want to lay hands on you just like they did in the Bible. But right there, I just want you to go ahead and just begin to invite the Holy Spirit to come into this room. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. If you want to start coming up, you can. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I pray that you will move in this place in a very special way. Let your anointing flow. If you're up here, lift up your hands and just begin to worship Jesus. That this would be a day that forever changes people, Father. God, I give you glory, I give you honor, I give you praise. Come on, just worship him. Just worship him. Just worship him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands. Repeat this prayer after me. Lift up your hands. Say, Lord Jesus. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.